Section 25 of the American Book of the Dog. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tom Mack, Tucson, Arizona. The American Book of the Dog. G. O. Shields, Editor. Section 25, The Bull Terrier, by Frank F. Doyle. Generally speaking, the bull terrier is the result, as the term indicates, of a cross between a bulldog and a terrier. The specimens first used in propagating it are believed to have been of the old type of bulldog and the white terrier of the middle counties of England. Since its origin, however, various side crosses have been resorted to as with the Mastiff, the Foxhound, Greyhound, etc. The breed is not believed to be an old one, the earliest authentic records we have of it dating back only to about 1843, though it doubtless originated some years earlier. The Bull Terrier is essentially a fighting dog and was not always made up of these two constituent parts, as Hound, Pointer, Greyhound, and Mastiff blood have at times been introduced into his veins, but without materially improving the breed. Whether considered from a genealogical point of view, or with reference only to his bodily formation and general character, he is as smartly built as a terrier, but with substance inherited from the bulldog. He is quick and clever in his actions and possesses the courage, resolution, and endurance of the bulldog. He is naturally inclined to be good-tempered, and amiable with his associates in the kennel. Yet he is possessed of a wonderful amount of courage, and when provoked to anger, will hold his own in the most approved style. Always with a bright expression, he never sulks when punished, if his training has been of the proper sort. Vero Shaw tersely indicates the character of the breed in these words. Treat him kindly, don't knock him about, and no dog will have greater love for his master than the game, handsome, and affectionate bull terrier. By nature, he is especially fitted for a companion for either a gentleman, a lady, or children, while as a house dog he has no superior, for besides being kind and affectionate to children, he is an excellent watchdog and an expert ratter. In breeding the bull terrier to the best possible advantage, Care should be taken in selecting the sire, which should be a dog of strong terrier character. In nearly every litter there are some puppies that are marked either with brown, brindle, or black. Most breeders destroy these, which I think is entirely wrong, for often in this way we lose some of our best specimens. Although Mark-Eyed Victor took his name from the brindle patch around his eye, he won numerous prizes and was undoubtedly the best dog of his day. Champion Trentham Dutch, winner and sire of winners, has a marked ear. This dog was bred by Mr. J. R. Pratt of Stoke-upon-Trent, England, whose name will be handed down among the bull terrier fanciers the world over as the breeder of the greatest litter of bull terriers ever known. This litter was by Dutch, 
out of champion Maggie May. In the litter was champion Queen of the May, Harvester, and champion Trentham Dutch. Mr. Pratt retained the two former, which were pure white, and sold the marked dog for $7.50. The purchaser sold him again to Mr. Simon Fielding, the well-known bull terrier fancier, who kept him and had the satisfaction of beating the other two. While in England, I would have bought Trentham Dutch, but I was influenced by a disciple of another school not to do so, which I have always regretted, as he has proved himself a worthy sire. The prize-winning strain in the breed of bull terriers assumes the same regularity as in the case of celebrated horses. Maggie May, whom I imported in 1886, supplied the show bench in England for several years with winners. Although at the time I bought her she was over eight years old, I gave fifty pounds for her. She was supposed to be in whelp to Dutch, but did not prove to be. At the Jubilee Show in 1887, I met Mr. J. R. Pratt, from whom I purchased her, and in speaking of bull terriers he said, If Maggie May will breed, you will have the best bull terrier in the world. Before leaving America I had bred her to Grand Duke, and his remark made me suspicious of her condition. I immediately cabled to America, and found to my relief that she was in whelp. This litter produced three bitches and one dog. Shortly after birth, the dog died, but of the three bitches I sold one, who has since died. The two I retained are well-known winners, Starlight, the subject of our illustration, and My Queen. Starlight had been bred three times and is the dam of Don Pedro, who has won second in open and first in puppy class at Toledo in 1889, and first in open and first in puppy class at Toronto in the same year. When only nine months old, Sensation, the sire of Don Pedro, was a 20-pound dog. Don Pedro weighed 53 pounds at one year of age. I merely mention this instance to show that one cannot breed for size with certainty, as small dogs are liable to get large ones, and vice versa. I next bred her to Hinks, and have two six-month-old puppies, the best I ever saw, and if nothing unforeseen happens, they will do themselves and their progenitors great credit. In the rapid advances of show dogs to popularity, few breeds have made the great strides that the Bull Terrier has. This advance has undoubtedly been brought about largely by the importation into this country of some of the finest specimens obtainable in England. Among the most prominent dogs of this breed that have been imported to this country I would mention the following. Grand Duke and Little Maggie, owned by Messrs. R. and W. Livingston. Dutch Junior, owned by T. R. Verrick. Champion Victoria, owned by E. S. Porter. Champion Cairo, Grabber, Bonnie Princess, Enterprise, and Spotless Prince, owned by W. F. Hobby. 
Champion Jubilee, owned by W.F. Comstock. Champion Count. Champion Maggie May. Lady in White. Lady Tarquin. Little Dorrit. The Earl. King Patrick. Queen Bendigo. Hinks. Lady Melville. And Bendigo. Owned by the writer. Anyone at all familiar with bull terriers in England or America will readily see that this breed of dog has good backing as it takes a great amount of time, patience, and money to import, breed, and show them. The late Mr. James Hinks of Birmingham, England will long be remembered as one who did more than any other individual to improve the bull terrier and many of our best specimens bear testimony to that fact as they date to his strain. Since Mr. Hink's death, his son Frederick has brought out more good bull terriers than anyone else. Most all of the leading breeders have dipped deeply into Hink's old victor strain. Of the more modern strains, the Marquis and Dutch are the most prominent. The former gets the shorter body and better tails, while the latter gets better eyes and longer heads. But the dogs have not the terrier character of the Marquis strain. Many who own bull terriers and find the name of Dutch in their pedigree think, no doubt, that he was a great winner. Such was not the case, I can assure them, as I had the pleasure of seeing Dutch in Birmingham, England, during the summer of 1887. When Dutch was a mere puppy, he was sent out to keep, and the man who had charge of him was fond of telling the elder Mr. Hanks how well he was getting on, and particularly of his wonderful chest development. When about nine months old, he was brought in and was found to be completely ruined for the show bench, as he had been kept on a chain for so long a time that he was so far out at the elbows in front and behind as to be declared deformed. Having been ruined for the show bench, he was put at stud and made a name greater than any prize winner. While speaking of stud dogs, I may say that my stud dog, Bendigo, would not rank high as a show dog, being too much out at the elbows but his record as a sire of prize winners bids fair to eclipse Dutch's. From this fact, it will be seen that a dog, in order to get winners, need not necessarily himself be a winner. Many people are prejudiced against bull terriers on account of their alleged temper, but I have owned in the neighborhood of 100 of these dogs in the past six years, and while I acknowledge that there is some foundation for this prejudice, Still, I unhesitatingly affirm that it is greatly exaggerated, for, if properly brought up, the bull terrier has more affection for his master than any other dog. The bull terrier is at a greater disadvantage when shown out of condition than any other dog, and the following points in regard to putting specimens of this breed in proper condition, gleaned from my own experience, should be of great service to the novice. It usually takes at least six weeks to put a dog of this breed into good form, 
and to do it in that time, the dog must be physically well at the start. The first thing to do is to give him a dose of opening medicine. Syrup of buckthorn and castor oil are my preference and should be given the last thing at night. The dog's food for a day or two should consist of oatmeal, gruel, and a little meat, and he should be given gentle exercise. After that, the work begins in earnest. His exercise should be gradually increased from a slow walk of from two to five miles in the morning, and the same distance should be given him in the afternoon. After returning from exercise, he should be thoroughly dried with a coarse towel, then well-groomed with a hair glove, which, in my estimation, is the best method of grooming. After this, the dog should be given a good hand rubbing. All grooming should be done one way, running with the hair. The dog should then be put in a kennel supplied with clean straw, which should be changed daily. As the exercises increase, the meat portion of the food should also be increased. One Spratt's biscuit, given dry for breakfast, and meat and vegetables for supper, with plenty of the former, are, in my opinion, the best diet. The washing of a bull terrier for exhibition is an important matter, and the following is my method. First, remove the long smellers, eyelashes, and all of the hair inside of the ear. This will sharpen his appearance wonderfully. Next, place the dog in a shallow tub with a little lukewarm water and thoroughly wet him with clean water. Beginning at his head, he should be well lathered with white castile soap and then rinsed with clean water. Afterward, repeat the operation on all parts of his body, leaving the tail till last. After the bath, he should be well dried with plenty of clean towels and then a thorough hand rubbing should be given him. He should then be returned to his kennel of clean straw and kept there for several hours. The illustration on page 427 is of the well-known bull terrier bitch Starlight, bred by the writer without doubt the best specimen ever bred in America. In the opinion of Mr. Charles H. Mason, she is fit to win at any show. She was whelped July 28, 1887, is by champion Grand Duke out of champion Maggie May, who was called in England the pillar of the Kennel Club stud book. Starlight is the winner of the following prizes. First Puppy Class, Boston, 1888. First in both Open and Puppy Class, New Haven, 1888. First Troy, 1889. First Toledo, 1889. First and Special Toronto, 1889. First and Special Danbury, 1889. Below will be found the points of the Bull Terrier adopted by the Bull Terrier Club of England. General Appearance The general appearance of the Bull Terrier is that of a symmetrical animal, an embodiment of agility, grace, elegance, and determination. Head The head should be long, flat, and wide between the ears tapering to the nose without cheek muscles. There should be a slight indentation down the face without a stop between the eyes. The jaws should be long and very powerful 
with a large black nose and open nostrils. Eyes small and very black. The lips should meet as tightly as possible without a fold. The teeth should be regular in shape and should meet exactly. Any deviation such as a pig jaw or being underhung is a great fault. Ears. The ears are always cropped for the show bench and should be done scientifically and according to fashion. Neck. The neck should be long and slightly arched, nicely set into the shoulders, tapering to the head without any loose skin as found in the bulldog. Shoulders. The shoulders should be strong, muscular, and slanting. The chest wide and deep with ribs well-rounded. Back. The back short and muscular but not out of proportion to the general contour of the animal. Legs. The four legs should be perfectly straight with well-developed muscles, not out at the shoulder, but set on the racing lines and very strong at the pastern. The hind legs are long and in proportion to the fore legs, muscular with good, strong, straight hocks, well let down near the ground. Feet. The feet are not those resembling a cat or the greyhound, but more after the style of the hair, compact with well-arched toes. Color, white. Coat, short, close, and stiff to the touch, with a fine gloss. Tail. This should be from 10 to 12 inches long, according to the size of the dog. Set on very low down, thick where it joins the body and tapering to a fine point. It should be carried at an angle of about 45 degrees without curl, and never over the back. Weight from 15 to 50 pounds. End of section 25. Recording by Tom Mack, Tucson, Arizona.